0: Yo, what's good, everybody? This is your boy D Maurice, A.K.A. Demo, and you're in the mix with my guy Derek Dunn of Reviews and Done. Yo, son, drop that heat on him. What up, world? Once again, it's Derek Dunn of Reviews and Done. Michelle Obama once said, success isn't about how much money you make. It's all about the difference you make in people's lives. And that quote kind of ties into the gentleman who I am blessed and ecstatic to speak with. This gentleman's music has truly made a difference in my life. For the last 14 years, I've been rocking with him. Not only does he hold the record for the number of times I've seen artists live, He's a Harvard alum, yeah. a super fan of the Spike Lee classic Mo' Better Blues, a songwriter, <laughs> a lyricist, a New Jersey native, I'm talking about the one, the only, Blue Arrow soul recording artist, Mr. Eric Roberson. <laughs> <laughs> What's good with you,
1: man? What a great intro, man. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Welcome to the line, sir. No, you for, um, for having me. Chop it up with you. All right, so before we get into it, I want to let you guys know that uh, Eric is going to be hosting a virtual concert that's coming Saturday, August the 22nd. So since you can't actually experience any artists live right now, I highly, highly urge you guys to check out Mr. Roberson's live show this Saturday, August 22nd. You guys will not be disappointed. I mean, Eric brings his A-game every single time he performed. So I'm sure he's going to give us a little bit more of that once we get into the interview, but uh, let's go ahead and uh, chop it up and uh, get right into it. Cool. So my, bro- my brother, you grew up in New Jersey. Did so you always have yeah. aspirations to become a singer?
1: Uh, you know, I grew up in a real creative household, so I mean, I, I don't know if I had aspirations at the beginning. I think music was just around us all the time, so it just it was kind of what we did, you know, or you might pick up a keyboard and find a little corner and just work on you know trying to get an idea out your head you know my my sister was always creating and uh i think i just growing up in that environment i just kind of did the same you know it was just a a thing but when i got to around you know teenage years 14 15 i think at that point i started at least looking at the bigger picture going like maybe i you know maybe i'll just do this a little more than than the other things i was doing you know and and then by the time i got to college it's it's really what i really wanted to do i knew I knew that point full, full on, I, I wanted to be a singer.
0: Cool, cool. So as your fans know, you attended Howard University. So yeah. coming from Jersey, man, I got to ask, as a of myself, what was your reaction the first time you heard Go-Go music live in a club? <laughs> well,
1: I'm glad you asked me the first time, not the first time I heard it in general. First time I heard it in a club, I fell in love with it. I, I, I really understood what it was, you know, I, I was introduced to it truthfully on the street on a cassette tape and it and it wasn't a good first impression. I must be honest with you. I was like, what the heck is this? But I think the more when I was able to to go to a party and see the culture and see like the vibe, the rhythm, how the room was moving, I fell in love with it, man. I understood that this was a this was a, a gym, you know, and for the longest I think people wanted and, and expected GoGo music to expand larger than the DMV area and become this huge thing. And I think it's just a special thing, man. I think, you know, the fact that those musicians and artists are going to play those songs for the rest of their lives and do these amazing shows, it's a great energy. And sure, it would have been great for it to be be, be a world-renowned thing, but I, I think it's just as beautiful being an area. When you hear it, you know what area that's from. You know exactly the culture of that area, you know?
0: Yes, sir. So speaking of D.C., you know, I got to ask you, in your single days, in your Howard days, what was your uh, clubbing spot? Was it the Ritz? Was it uh, Republic Gardens? Ah,
1: oh, man. You know, first, I, w- I was a studio head, man. So I didn't spend much time partying, to be honest with you. <clears throat> but what I will tell you, if I did go somewhere, I remember Quigley's. Uh, what's my what's my uh, reggae spot? Um I'm not Kilimanjaro. What was it, Kilimanjaro or something? But I remember uh, I remember Quigley's. I remember spending a lot of time in Quigley's. Well, i tell you what I rem- remember more than anything, and it's, it's not necessarily a, a, a club experience. We would leave night flight at the wee hours of the morning, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and we were driving back into D.C. There was some big spot that it was more outside. say like They turned the a parking lot into this club. And driving by there gave me such an interesting feeling um, because, you know, we, we, we were driving for the studio, you know what I mean? It was like, man, yeah. we always like, man, did we do the right thing tonight? Like, did, did we go – we have been to the club instead because they just, like, they were having the time of their lives. And I just always remember driving by there. But, but it, it, at the end, of it, it paid off. And I look back at, you know, the work that we were able to do and stuff like that, I, I'm happy that we spent that time going to the studio instead of the club.
0: You might be talking about um... – Rivertown, because you know me being a Northern VA, once people started driving, we'd always cross the bridge to go into Maryland, and Rivertown mm. was just a—it was like in a shopping mall parking lot, but people would just post up yeah. <laughs> outside playing go go, you know, getting numbers from the uh, from the ladies just. <sighs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that though, you know, because I am married now, so I can't get myself in uh, Oh hey, <laughs> hey, you know,
1: we 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 all had our day, you know what I'm saying? But that was we all uh, had our day. some wild times. Yeah, man.
0: Fun and times. So, so around 94, you know, you're doing your thing in music, you drop your uh, single, The Moon. Yeah. Can you give us a short story on how you actually got your first deal with Warner Brothers?
1: Well, a lot of it just um the group Shy, uh, who sang uh, "And If I Ever Fall," were, were good friends of mine and also fellow students at Howard. And uh, man, they they got this song on the radio. It took off, blew up. Before you know it, a week later, they went on a, on a Arsenio Hall show. And and man, you know, I really gotta just really pay some homage to them because I I just gave them when they were leaving. I gave them my demo tape and said, man, just pass it to somebody. And they did, <laughs> you know. And they didn't have to, um, but I, I'm really appreciative that, that they did. And before you know, the phone started ringing. And about a year later, it led it led to eventually getting a record deal with Warner Brothers, um, which led to that song, "The Moon." Um, and and that success was was quick and short lived, but it gave me a good taste for what to expect in this business and really what to prepare for, you know, in this business. And um, I felt like when I came back I, I came back ready, you know, really ready and, and fully loaded to 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 try to win in this game because, you know, obviously it's it's not an easy game to win in. But uh but uh, but I had some, a fortunate run, man, I had
0: some lucky breaks. Yeah, shout out to uh shout out to Shot. I've interviewed um three of them cats and they all spoke very uh, highly of your days at uh oh, Howard. Man. Yeah, G's a real cool uh Garfield, real cool cat. Yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, great dude, man. Very educated and very uh, very talented. Yeah. All right, so your label deal doesn't go where you want it to, unfortunately, but you become an in-demand songwriter. Now, I've always read album credits. I think that's one of the greatest things in life is to buy a CD, and if you still buy CDs, open it up and just read the credits. Yeah. One of, one of my early favorites that you wrote was... 112's Funny Feelings from the Room 112 album was that based on personal experience?
1: Oh yeah, it was very personal, man. That was a that was a college stressful, you know, <laughs> when it was stressful days when it, when it stuff wasn't working out and and um and it was really also the first song I ever wrote on guitar. Um and it was I was home on on break, you know, and 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 just really frustrated and and depressed and all that and so I saw my dad's guitar and I had a choice to either slam it against the wall or playing it. And thank, thank God I, I decided to play it. And, uh, and that's what, that's what came out of me was that song. And, you know, years later I ran into 112, uh, in a studio in Atlanta, uh, and met them and, you know, and they heard, I wrote songs and they said, well, let's hear something. So I pulled the guitar out, you know, and played that song and that's the song I played for them. And, uh, and that was a good start, man. that was a, that was, you know uh right when i was either about to graduate or i just graduated and you know trying to really understand what i was about to do next you know so to get that placement that was a that was a good feeling
0: and shout out to 112. yeah so once again being an album credit reader i know that your pain game is uh crazy i mean charlie uh-huh. wilson will downing dwell uh-huh. case i mean he written for carl thomas he written for so many artists And you know me, man I'm a, I'm a huge New Edition fan And New Edition Y'all really need to come back And just give us One more tour One more album Yeah so Completely yes In your catalog Which song do you think Would be perfect for New Edition If you got that phone call Saying "Hero, man We need a we need a song Give us something That's gonna like Be up there with If it isn't love Or any heartbreak Oh,
1: man That's a good question Do I have one? You know, I mean you know they have you know when I look at her, if it is in love why does it hurt so bad why does she stay on my mind I mean could you write a better hook like just a great song um but if if I had to if I had to think of it I uh, I mean I think borrow you because it's a danceable feel you know I would want to do something in that realm uh you know but but really if I was to write for new, you know to present something I would want to write something from scratch man like just give them something that I feel it wouldn't necessarily be, um, you know, a clone of what new edition has done, but, but it'll be more of like, if I heard, if I thought where I would see them may possibly going, I, it would be really my thank you gift to them. You know what I mean? Like they, they've given me so much enjoyment musically that I would want to just write them just a song of songs, you know, like if I could really have a chance, that'd, that'd be great.
0: No doubt. So if they're listening to man, you know, you guys holler at my man, Eric Roberson. <laughs> Indeed. So you're also yeah, a hip hop yeah. head And I think oh, um, yeah. What really impressed me was The first time I had a chance to see you live Back in January 2008 at the Birchmere. Your dad introduced you And you came out And you kicked this fly freestyle To mm-hmm. Kanye West flashing lights So you work with Fonte You work with Cameron You work with Will Smith Who are your top Five MCs. Just give me five.
1: Ooh, you gonna put me on a spot like that? Top five. And see, all right, us So, the, just so I'm clear, you know, because there's a difference. There's a difference in like who I think the greatest five are, and who my top five is. I'll give you my top five rather than who I feel is the greatest top five. Um, L. Cool J, Biggie. Uh, Andre three thousand. This changes by the second too. Um, Busta Rhymes and Slick Rick. Respect that. That's my. That's my. That's my. You know. That's my. And I. Crazy. If you ask me ten minutes later, it's probably gonna be a different. Be a different answer. But. But uh, that's that's what I'm sticking with.
0: (laughs) So here's the caveat to the top five for me, and like I always tell people, I think with the top five, with people like you just said, people say they think you're talking about. Skill level, and I think it's more along the lines of a uh, your personal top five. And like you know, I always tell folks that like Pox on my top five, Eminem's on my top five. Why? Yeah. Because I don't listen to them on the regular. So if I'm not playing on the regular, I'm not saying that you're a trash artist. You're just right So I don't. Yeah. Not play on the regular, you're not gonna be in my top five. I and, it's, and it's
1: also who, who really influences you, too. Like, you know, for me, like Slick Rick was a huge influence for me. And, you know, if I'm arguing for the greatest rappers of all time, I don't know if you put out enough music necessarily to be in the argument. Um, but at the same time, when I look back at my writing and just the character development, also like that, I mean, Slick Rick and Bust Around, man, enormously impactful to my careers.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So you have your solo career. You did the gospel album a few years back. Yep. You did the stuff with Fonse on the Sigur album. Very slept on project, in my opinion. <laughs> do you have any dream artists that you would love to do a collaboration EP with?
1: Oh, man. That's...
0: I mean, I, you know, my
1: go-to is always Erica Badu. You know, I, I would love to work with her. I think she's one of the best songwriters we've, we've, we've ever seen and uh i think we could we could make some fly music so i'll I'll probably probably say her but i mean the list the list is like oh man the list is so crazy (laughs) you know really a lot of my homies too man i mean if you just think about it it's just the friends that i've had uh through the years who i've done music with and you know to be honest like certain successes you know we it's not like things have changed It's a certain successes uh, hasn't allowed us to really spend as much time like we used to work on working on music and i would love to to get back in the studio with a lot of them i would love to get back in the studio with with a jill scott or a music you know and just vibe and just see what we could come up with like like we used to do in the old days you know um so yeah the list is just oh man the list is crazy i you know both our both our phones and computers would die battery be dead before i ended <laughs> before, <laughs> before, I,
0: before i finish naming people yeah cool cool so you had the chance to work with the late great, um, what I think is probably one of music's most heartbreaking stories. That's Mr. Jay Dilla on "When Love Calls." Cool. How was that experience yeah. for you?
1: It was it was great and a dream come true because he's another person up there who who you know really changed uh, the way I do music and the way I see music. You know, it was very unfortunate that I, I never got a chance to meet him face to face. Around the time that I was you know receiving music from him and anything that was he was he was really sick at that point and wasn't wasn't traveling as much and and the time that i was supposed to meet him in new york um and we were downstairs waiting in the lobby for you know i don't know how long a very long time and he never came down because i think he he just wasn't feeling well well enough um and uh so i you know missed opportunity but at the same time you know, it was so much love, so much respect and and he was just a phenomenal phenomenal uh producer and artist overall. Like really did some some incredible work. So, um, you know, his music lives on, man. You know, we try to I try to pay homage to him as much as I can just for what he did for me musically and how he changed my ear. Uh but I always always tell somebody if they hadn't heard any of his music, I, I I sit up and get excited cuz Cause they're about to go for a musical ride that they, you know, you know, you're about to learn something pretty much. Cause he, he did music different, you know, he, he heard it different and he was just, uh, he was, he was just a scientist when it came to creating.
0: Rest in peace to one of the greats, Mr. Yeah. Jay Dilla. So your fans know that you also teach a songwriting course at Berkeley. When the yeah. COVID hit, how did, how did your, um, lesson plans and everything change up? Well, you know, the f- interesting was, you know, a lot of my students
1: are from other countries. So when the semester started, they were coming, they were coming in and they, the first thing they were talking about was, I mean, the first time I ever heard about COVID-19 was from my students, you know, like they came into the class going, yo, it's crazy back at home. And I was like, well, yeah, really? What, what, what's going on? And so they started explaining it. And then sure enough, you know, within, uh, you know, a couple of months, it was, it was here. You know, um, so when, when they told me don't come don't come to school, at one point they were like, all right, anyone commuting and just stay home, I knew there was a good chance that I wasn't going back that semester. And just preparing to go online, you know, um, it was a lot for the students, but they did an amazing job, man. And I, I think that's just in general for, you know, all the kids that had to really miss their prom, and you know, miss graduation or not have a graduation like we had a graduation. I mean, my heart goes out to those kids, but they they they're handling it really well, you know. And teaching a, a songwriting course or even a business of songwriting course or anything like that online is a bit difficult. It's more difficult for the student than it is for me. So my hat goes off to them for, you know, they really want to learn and they they want to know this stuff because they're because you know they're trying to make it in the business. You know, when you think about it, so. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was an adjustment, but man, we're doing concerts now. We're doing, you know, we've all made the adjustment you kind of had to, if you, if you want to try oh, yeah. to stay in this business and work, you know, so uh, it's just another adjustment to make.
0: Definitely. And that's one of the things that I respect about you and your whole process thing, which I'm sure you're going to tell us about. And I think for me, one of the things that I've kind of noticed, you know, being an entertainment critic and being a, um, a fan, like now is really the time for artists just to let everything hang out and really explore your creativity with the COVID because entertainment as we know it is changing. I mean, if you would have told me on one jam that I'd be doing podcasting and interviews I would have gave you like the would have doubted you because I had no desire to become a podcaster or an interview. I just wanted to write reviews, get my name out there, and yep. you know fell in my lap. So I started doing it. So tell us a little bit about the process and you know I'm a supporter. You know I pay my five dollars every month, but tell <laughs> us, uh, tell John Key Public about the process and the whole concept behind that.
1: Well, you know it goes back to you know you credit readers, man, guys who really guys and girls who really dig in the crates and, and love music and want to know a little bit more than just, you know, that initial song. So for me it was really, let's show everything. Let's show how we make the idea. Let's show how we get the idea from the first thought in our mind to the finished product and let's see what we do with it as well. So the process is a group of people that now, uh, I think we're at, uh, 870 something people, um, and they get a copy of every idea I do, every song I do, and the whole process of it—from the first idea to the finished product, the mixed version—they get a copy of whatever one they like. Um, we do a weekly podcast, um, live concerts. We're doing a concert tonight. Uh, I mean, uh, Saturday, which will be completely free to them as well. Um, but it's just a celebration of good music, man. And the good—the benefit for me—that I—that I, that I had to learn is that. I get a chance to find out what works immediately. Like, um, you know, if I put a song on there and, you know, everybody's just kind of talking about it, and it's cool, it's one thing, but if everyone's, you know, two days later still talking about it, you know you got something, you know? Like, even this song we have right now called Lessons that we just did last week, and it's just caught fire. It caught fire everywhere, right? And it's like, you you want that kind of blessing because, truth be told, when you're writing a song, you feel everything, you love everything. And sometimes some may feel a little more special than others. But for the most part, you know, you're, you, you don't really know what's going to work. You don't know how it's going to resonate because it still has to go in the timing of things or whatever. So to to put a song out there and have so many people respond to it the way they've been responding is a benefit as an artist because then you know okay this song this this is definitely on the live show this is definitely okay we need to shoot a music video for it. you know you automatically start going into work mode with it because you know it works and uh and that's the great thing man but we have a good time on there man and it's a it's a great community uh of people who love music
0: yes sir i would never get hit to um Anakin Invader without the uh, ah, ha, ha. the process. Shout out to them, man. Two amazingly yeah. talented
1: ah. producers. So amazing, man. This it's crazy how talented they are. Really, really, and and humble, man. Beautifully humble.
0: So earlier earlier this year, around April, you dropped one of my favorite twenty twenty projects. Your EP, your album, here from here. One of my favorite joints on there was "Soft Like You." So. Mm. If you were to shoot a music video for that song, what would the concept be?
1: I think cooking breakfast, you know, cooking breakfast and and the love of your life walking down the steps and and seeing, and I, you know, interesting we 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 really were deep in the talks. So we probably could still do it, but we were really talking about trying to shoot a music video for that song. I think it's a you know beautiful record, and um, of course, you know, COVID makes it a little difficult now, but. Uh, we'll still figure it out. But I think, you know, the song starts off with, you know, good morning, hey, rise and shine. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's that, you know, you wake up in the morning and smell that breakfast, like, man, yo, they cooked all oh, this, is, oh, it's about a great day, you know? So uh, it'll start with that, you know? It's, it, to me, it'll start with, the, start with the morning and end with the evening. Cool, cool, all right, so
0: before let you go, man, you know, I gotta ask you a couple of uh, couple hard questions once again, just because, you know, I like hearing you talk and, you know, you're uh, just a very educated brother. All right. so, outside of Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, what's the one album you think every aspiring singer and songwriter should listen to for song structure and production?
1: Ooh. I mean, you could easily go to another Stevie Wonder record, but since you named one Stevie, I I will... uh... I'll leave that off. Roberta Flack's greatest hits album is Songwriting 101. And I know that's a combination, right? But it really is like when you listen to a collective of her records, uh, you know, just the arranging and songwriting, um, you can't get much better than that. Um, Ooh, man, let's name something recent. I think uh, uh see I always there's so many songs that pop in my head, but you're talking about albums. Um uh what's it uh commission's second album. Is it uh What's Going On or Let's Go Let's Go on to something, Miss Commission's second album. They all got like different color sweaters on, <laughs> like rainbow color sweaters on. That's the that's the one that has running back to you. And Love is in Love, um, Who Do Men Say I Am, it's, 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 if I was, a, you know, if I was to be honest, stuck on a desert island, that's probably the album I want, you know, to listen to. And it's probably the record that made me want to become a songwriter, you know. Um, so yeah, that one. And, you know, it popped in my head, so I'll say Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Just, uh, man, it's such a great, great, great song, great songs and great album.
0: Is there any musical artist you would like to portray in a biopic or someone's story you would like to be told?
1: Sam Cooke. I would love to. Um, uh, two people. You know, Bill Withers. I, I'm really infatuated with his life. I'm infatuated how he walked away from the industry to live a more simple life with his family, um, and then on the the, the complete stark opposite. Uh, you know. Sam Cooke because he was so ahead of his time what he was doing um, the label he had you know he really was breaking down barriers um, in the music business and and for black people as a whole you know I think he was you know just way ahead of his time and and of course of course had a very tragic and, and, and quick ending uh to his life but um I think that's a story with so many layers and and worth telling
0: all right this last joint i'm gonna make you uh, put on a hanging cap really quick so as an adult as a as a father as a husband as a grown-ass man <laughs> yep looking back do you think that bleak gilliam from mo better blues was a trash individual
1: was he a trash individual? No, I think he was finding his way. I think he was finding his way. I think, uh, I mean, now, you know, all of us have a little bit of hood rat and trash in us all at certain points in our lives. And, um, but, you know, I think when you, when you look how it ended and you look at, you know, Bleak as a father, you know, watching over his son going through trumpet lessons, you know, he found his place and, and you know, he might not have been the best band leader he may not have been the best boyfriend, but I think at the end of the day, uh Bleak became a great person and and became a great father, you know, a great father and and uh you know, but you know, that's why that's why Spike, that's why I'm writing I'm starting a petition for for Mo Better Blues part two. You know, we need to, there's so many unanswered questions. What happened with Shadow and Clark? You know, there's there's so many things that were left unanswered. But uh, but I do think that. A lot of musicians uh, look at that as a sad ending because he couldn't play anymore. But I think he really found true love once he wasn't distracted by music. Now That doesn't mean that you have to stop playing music to find love, but I think you can be distracted. I think that was the story of the, of the, of the movie was that if you're not careful, you'll fall in love with the wrong things.
0: I'm gonna say the only thing he did that was trash. Well, it wasn't really. It wasn't really trash. I mean, I agree that he had to find himself, but it wasn't common sense. Now, why he decided to buy both of his (laughs) same color dress? That's something you just don't do. Just like on different world, when Ron invited all his shorties to the club on the same night your ass can get
1: caught. Like, why would you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah come on, man. It's just, it's just, just hood rat stuff, man. We all, we, all have, we all are guilty. We all have done something that somebody would say, really? Like, did you <laughs> really, really think that through, you know? Uh, but, um, but I'll tell you, you know, the, 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 the funny thing about that, I've been thinking about lately, like, as best friends, you know, Giant being Bleak's best friend, when the two women both showed up to the club wearing the same dress, it wasn't like his best friend came running to him like, oh my God, let me help you out of this. Guess what? You know, he found out because, because Giant told him. But Giant, how did Giant tell him? Giant told him, yo, remember that time we was in Japan and I told you, don't buy those two dresses? I bet you, you owe me $50. Like, that's, that's, that's how you tell this guy that his life's about to end. Like, you know, but that's that's but that's how best friend would do. Like you know, the best friend would like laugh in the moment of your misery, you know. Uh, and that's exactly what giant did. So but he got out of it, thank God, man. You know, and hopefully he you know, hopefully he learned his lesson. Hopefully we all learned our lesson.
0: Yes, sir. And see, if you guys join the process for only five dollars a month, that's less than a Starbucks coffee, less than an extra value meal, you guys get to hear the genius of Eric Roberson with a song called, wait for it, Bleak. All about Bleak. Ah,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great record, man. Yeah, one of my favorite songs of the year.
0: Hey, right, man, is there anything you'd like to add besides the concert that's coming Saturday and where can fans find you on social media?
1: Nah, that's pretty much it. Come see the concert at jointheprocess.com this Saturday and arrow44, uh, E-R-R-O-44 on Instagram and I am Eric Roberson on uh, Twitter and and all those other fun spots. Just type in the name. I'm
0: up there somewhere. All right. This has been Derek Dunn with Reviews and done. And once again, I want to thank Mr. Roberts for taking time out of his busy schedule to uh, speak with me. Eric is probably one of the top three people that I've wanted to interview since so i started podcasting. And, I mean, man-to-man, this is a, a bucket list item for me to actually interview you and talk to you. And I really feel like I've actually made it because I've crossed <laughs> off one of the three people that I wanted to talk to. So thank you, sir, from the bottom of my heart.
1: Honor and pleasure, man. I look forward to this clearing up so we can get on the road and and see you out there again, you know?
0: All right, folks, that's Eric Roberson, and I'm going to close it out with a quote like I always do. I believe in destiny, but also believe that you just can't sit back and let destiny happen. A lot of times Hmm. an opportunity might fall into your lap, but you have to be ready for that opportunity. You can't sit there waiting for it. A lot of times you're going to have to get out there and make it happen from the mind of Spike Lee. Until the next time, done out. Yo, what's up? This is Damien Crazy Lace All from the RB Group Guy. And remember, you're in the mix with review and done with my man Derek. Check him out.